Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I have a follow-up for you on hybrid financial advisors. Our teams dug in and reviewed three of them. I'll share what we found with you. Also, if you haven't returned to eating in restaurants yet, things are going to look pretty different when you do. So I alluded to this the other day, Krista, on another podcast about this zone that is not the easiest to explain between doing self-service investing and doing full-service investing where people have faced this stark alternative of you either do everything yourself or you just turn over your money to someone you hope you can trust at a firm you hope is on the up and up and you pay them big fees to handle your investments for you. And then, you know, the whole conversation about when you hire somebody for advice, are they working for you or are they working for themselves? In other words, are they legally obligating themselves to be a fiduciary, which means your interests legally must be put first, last, and always, versus how it's traditionally worked in the full commission stock brokerage and advice industry, where you're paying for them to give you advice and then they are legally allowed to this moment i'm speaking to you now they are allowed to put you in junk that makes them max money the company and the individual who works for that company where they're able to sell you down the river in a leaky boat if it makes them more money so they can go on a yacht well Then along came Betterment and Wealthfront. Betterment and Wealthfront said there's a compromise. We can offer you robotic advice at extremely low cost. And you, instead of being completely on your own, you answer a bunch of questions. And our computer modeling will come up with investment portfolios for you. And then there's uh, different organizations. You've heard me talk about XY Planning Group, where they're fiduciaries and you pay them a monthly fee to help you with investing. There's Garrett Planning Network. There's NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. That These are ways you can get financial advice that you know they're taking on the fiduciary role. But again, you might be paying roughly equivalent to what you pay the ripoff full commission stockbrokers. 
So enter into the mix that has confused the daylights out of people, the big three discounters, Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity, all now offer their own versions of what we label hybrid financial advisors, and I alluded to the other day, where you can have financial advice from a fiduciary at significantly lower cost than you would pay to a traditional firm. And each of the services have significant differences. Fidelity, you pay a flat half a percent. That includes the cost of the investments and the advice. Vanguard, you pay 0.3 of 1%. And you pay an average expense on the investments of 0.07, meaning your total cost is a little more than one-third of 1%. Schwab followed a completely different model. Schwab, you pay them a $300 upfront fee to develop a comprehensive financial plan for yourself. And then ongoing, regardless of how much or how little money you have on hand with them, you pay $30 a month for ongoing fiduciary financial advice. Each of them have account minimums that may blow way past what you have available, but I want to tell you what they are. Fidelity and Schwab are $25,000 that you got to have available to invest with them. Vanguard, $50,000. But with these, you're going to get personal advice. And we've got a long write-up comparing each program and what you get for your money, what it will actually cost you in total to get fiduciary-based advice. And... The headline is slugged for this article at Clark.com, comparing hybrid financial advisors, Vanguard versus Schwab versus Fidelity. Now, this is for you getting individualized, deep advice. The more money you have, the deeper the advice is you can get. Then in addition, Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity have products available for people with smaller amounts of money where you can pay no annual fees with Fidelity, with what's known as Fidelity Go, for amounts from zero to $9,999. And Fidelity will help you come up with a portfolio under Fidelity Go, and they'll charge you nothing for it. The idea to attract new customers to Fidelity and that you grow with them into paying fees once you have more than $10,000 available. And then the $10,000 you pay $3 a month for advice. Schwab has their version with no fees at all, no commissions called Schwab Intelligent Portfolios And then Vanguard has theirs, which requires a $3,000 minimum. And you pay a very, very small amount for Vanguard Digital Advisor. You don't get all the advice with these stripped-down products for people with smaller portfolios. But you will get very good what's known as asset allocation advice. What funds to be in, 
based on your age, your goals, your situation. These three offerings, the Vanguard Digital Advisor, the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios, and the Fidelity Go, they are there as much as direct could be competitors of Wealthfront and Betterment. So you have multiple, multiple choices for a smaller dollar investor moving from that to people who can meet those minimums of $25,000, $25,000, or with Vanguard $50,000, where you get comprehensive financial planning advice and investment building advice from the big three discounters, Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity, but again, at a fraction of the cost of being with one of the full commission stock brokerages or an independent advice uh, advisory firm. And so you got the alternatives, but here's the key thing for you to know. No matter where you go, no matter who you buy advice from, only, only, ever, always, when you're buying advice, you buy it from a fiduciary, period. Somebody who legally is required to put your interests first. The time that you should go to a full commission stock brokerage or a bank-based brokerage arm is the middle Tuesday of never. Never, 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 not ever should you ever do your investing with an insurance company, a bank-based brokerage operation, a full commission brokerage where they will not take on fiduciary duty to you, period. Krista, time for questions. All right. This is from Sue in Alabama. I am over 65 and I have health problems. Is I'm there, sorry. Is there any term life insurance I can get that isn't very expensive? I was told term life is much cheaper than whole life or universal life, and I want a policy to leave for my children. Sue, uh, I can't sugarcoat this. Uh, you know, if you're past 65 and you do have pre-existing medical conditions, it is difficult for you to buy life insurance because the insurers, the actuaries at the insurance companies calculate risk and see higher risk existing from you for them. So in your case, to get a quote on life insurance, you're going to need an agent. You're going to need to talk with an individual. This isn't something I can send you to one of the online sources to get quotes from. The danger you face with an agent is they are so much going to want to sell you whole life or universal life or variable universal life because that's where the commissions are. Um, so this is, this is a bit of a quandary that you're asking me. I would say that I would want you to see if an agent can quote you a term life insurance policy that you might be able to qualify for and that you volunteer to pay him or her for their time since the commissions they would earn on that term life insurance are so low that it's not even enough to pay the gas to come see you to write that policy for you. But you're going to need that agent to know which companies are the ones that 
will medically underwrite you and potentially be able to issue a policy for you for the ultimate benefit of your children. Otherwise, all I can suggest to you is what you would have paid in premiums, you keep putting into a savings account or an investment account or money to your kids that they can put in a Roth IRA now as a way of transferring money to them for their future. Mike in Nebraska wrote in and said, Clark, I have three daughters I'm planning to send to private high school. They're 12, 10, and 7 years old. I'd like to start saving for their tuition. I have my state's 529 nest plans for each of them, with just a few hundred dollars in each account. I know private K-12 tuition is a qualified expense according to federal rules, but unfortunately it's not in Nebraska. Is it still worth using nest accounts to save since I at least can avoid federal tax on the gains, or should I look for an alternate way to save for high school and only use the NEST for future college expenses? So if you don't use the NEST plan and instead you use another 529 plan, like on my plan guide of the best 529 plans, use one of those, you will be able to use the money for your uh, three kids for K-12 tuition up to the federal limit um, each year, but you'll have to pay Nebraska state income tax on the gain you had on the plan from what you contributed to the amount that it, the plan became worth. So that's really where you end up in doing the 529 plan as a way to pay for K through 12 is the most important thing is don't use the Nest plan. Because then you have to pay back Nebraska for the upfront benefit they gave you, plus tax on the gain that you'd have using it for K through 12. You use another 529 plan from another state, you avoid nest entirely, then the tax you would owe to Nebraska would be teensy tiny, and you'd get the federal benefit of the growth in the 529 plan tax-free. I hope that all made sense. I want you to be prepared to be greeted by robots at restaurants, uh, keyboards of all kinds in restaurants. You're going to have a lot less interaction with servers. And crazily, I'm going to tell you why that's actually good for the future, not bad. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I've talked to a number of people who are from the restaurant industry and we've actually talked about things other than how the restaurant industry has been affected by coronavirus, which, you know, has been brutal with so many independently owned restaurants around the country not surviving it. But the restaurant industry is going through a big generational transition. And the way restaurants work is being rethought and not because of anything related to coronavirus. It's not like uh, with retail and grocery where coronavirus really changed the way they do business now and in the future. The challenge the restaurant industry faces is we're an aging population in the United States. 
And we also have had much less immigration into the United States in recent years. And both issues have led to a problem moving forward of severe labor shortages in the restaurant industry, all categories of restaurants, from fine dining down to fast food and everything in between, is affected by an aging population, meaning that there's not nearly enough young people coming up whose first or second job typically might be in the restaurant industry. And in the last 40 years, a lot of restaurant employment has been filled by immigrants both legal and illegal, to the United States. And the great reduction in immigration to the United States in recent times has led to a shortage of immigrant workers for restaurants. So technology is going to play a big role moving forward. We've talked before about the robotics, the sophistication of robotics in the restaurant industry steadily growing. The change in the whole thinking about how a restaurant works going on there's a a local restaurant that krista and i are both very familiar with that is using automation to the max you order now on your phone when you sit down at a table and this is a traditional full service restaurant you sit down at the table you read a barcode thing on your table that the menu and the day's specials appear on your phone you open up a link and it's there on your phone you order from your phone You pay on your phone. Um, When you want an additional item or another drink, you do that on your phone. The phone gives you a breathalyzer test from your second (laughs) drink forward. No, that part's not true. They do serve some strong margaritas there. And so the, the servers are just serving you food. They're basically um, experienced food runners at this point because they're not taking your order. They're not taking your money. They are all about super serving you with the delivery of your drinks and your food. The labor savings is enormous because you think how much time a restaurant server spends telling you the night specials, taking you your order, and bringing you the bill later. When you eliminate that, you may increase the productivity of that server 50%, meaning that they can cover 50% more tables at their station than they could before. And it's just one of the things you're going to see as part of the movement in the restaurant industry to deal with the labor shortages. And the automation that's coming at fast food and quick serve because of higher labor rates higher labor rates either by law with states and communities passing higher minimum wages or simply because there aren't enough workers to go around that the fast food and quick service restaurants are having to employ new automation. The one that's most obvious to us as customers are the kiosks you order at. What's not as obvious to us is automation in the kitchens where robotic devices are able to do more and more of the food prep and more and more of the cooking of the food. And I know to some people who are traditionalists, it, it really removes the humanity out of the meal. And I get that. But 
do you want to be in the drive through line for 35 minutes or five minutes? Because it's all about speed with fast food and quick service, right? And so you're going to see the labor shortages dealt with by this by various strategies of automation and i've seen some of the stuff at the at what used to be called the consumer electronics show ces and i see the technology usually three years before it's used in practical purpose in a business and i was amazed at the robotics that are being developed for the food business the other factor in the food business is what's going on with restaurants where you walk a line and order your food fresh down a line and eliminate table service entirely. And that is absolutely part of our future as we go back out to eat again. Those of us who've been in deep freeze quarantine from restaurants over the last year, you'll see these changes steadily happen as you go out to eat. All right, Clark, it looks like you've converted Kevin in Virginia. He wrote in and said, from years of listening to your show, I've realized how awesome Costco is. The closest store to my location is two hours away. Are there services like travel or other opportunities that I could take advantage of, even though we don't have one locally? So I have friends who live in a remote corner of New Mexico that serve in the military, and they, every two weeks, do a two-hour, 15-minute drive to the nearest Costco that's across the state line in West Texas. And they load up their Honda Odyssey wall-to-wall with, uh, they have three young kids, with their Costco purchases, and then turn around and go back to where they live in rural New Mexico. And so going two hours for a Costco, that... That sounds like not a heavy lift to me. Oh my gosh. I've, you know, I used to um, be a part time Utah. Uh, I, would you call me a part time resident or a non resident who spent a lot of time in Utah, whatever it was? And Utah has most of its population in the valley from Ogden to Provo with Salt Lake in the middle. And you'd see it both Sam's Club and Costco in the Salt Lake Valley, that people would come from extreme corners of rural Utah with big pickup trucks and load up all their supplies that they then go back to wherever they were from in rural Utah is a way to save money. So two hours, you can't, you can't convince me not to be a Costco member. But if he's not willing to do that. If you're not willing to do that, being a member just for Costco travel and being able to shop at Costco.com, $60 a year. Hmm. Well, the thing is you could join for a year. And if you find you're really able to get the benefits from Costco.com and Costco travel and the other ancillary services Costco sells, that you find the $60 actually did pay off, you stay a member. If you find after a few months or so, that Costco doesn't work for you. Costco has an unlimited, unconditional money-back guarantee on your membership. You can make that two-hour drive over to that Costco one time and tell them you're not using the membership. You'd like to turn it back in, and they'll give you all $60 back unless they've changed that policy. 
All right. This is from Monica in New Mexico. I lost my wallet yesterday. I went out of town about 100 miles from my home to pick up my husband at the airport. I stopped at a convenience store for a snack, and I believe the wallet may have fallen out of the car. There wasn't much money in the wallet, and luckily both of my credit cards were in my purse. I called the DMV. They said they could issue a replacement of my card. They also asked if I wanted to keep the same driver's license number. They told me I would have to drive back to the jurisdiction and call the police to come and take a report before they would issue the driver's license with a new number. I'm worried my license will fall in the wrong hands and about identity fraud. Do I need to drive another 140 miles today to get a police report and a new license or just get a copy of the one I had? Either way, it'll cost me around $100. So New Mexico charges a fortune for a driver's license that's 100 bucks. My goodness. Um, I'm so glad you had already been through the validation process for Real ID. I think you replace that license with the number you already had. The real issue is somebody trying to use your identity and put a different picture on that license, all that. And hopefully nothing bad will happen. But if you've not frozen your credit files yet, you should do that. You do that. If you go to Clark.com slash credit freeze, we'll walk you through the free credit freeze file, which will make it nearly impossible for the would-be criminal to apply for credit pretending to be you. Jeff in Oklahoma wants to know, if using a new credit card to transfer a balance, how would that affect my credit score? I'm just shy of 800 and don't want to take a hit by opening a new card. Jeff, if your credit score is... Uh, in the 800 neighborhood, don't worry about the credit hit for a new application for credit. If you aren't routinely applying for new credit, you're not having hard hits on your credit, you'll likely have a drop of maybe temporarily 12 to 15 points getting that new card. And then having that new card by itself will end up raising your score anyway. So the impact in the short term for a few months Maybe a dozen points or so long term, it will be a wash, maybe even a rise in your credit score above 800 from just below. So don't worry. Be happy. I want to thank you for being a part of Team Clark. For more consumer advice, you can contact Team Clark. Just go to Clark.com CAC for free advice one-on-one. One on one.